A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Previously on Legacy of Gaia. Then there was a silence. Shui put down the Kalad on the table and smirked at himself in the mirror. <laughs> Idiot. This is episode 14 of The Legacy of Gaia. As Hemmer and the others ran down the hill, the heat of the fire went from a comfortable warmth to a horrid burning almost immediately. Once they reached the bottom, the madness surrounding them was insufferable. The cascading sound of houses collapsing, screams, crying, and the raging fire was almost deafening. We need to split up. We'll help more that way, Emero shouted. Agreed, said Nyakax, and he ran towards the cries of a woman from inside a burning house. Up close, it looked like what was once a family cottage, but now... It was just a wash with flames, the memories burning bright in one last glorious moment of life before disappearing into the wind. As soon as Nykax got there, the cries stopped, and he wondered if he was too late. He looked around, and through a small gap he could see a teenage girl clutching a terrified cat that clearly clawed her face trying to get free. Yet, still she held it close to her heart, blood streaming down onto her charred blue dress stained with black smudges. She was screaming uncontrollably now that she saw him, and Nykax could see the foundations of the house would fall apart any second. As he stood back to see what the best way of entry was, he noticed an old man from across the other side of the street, clutching his cat, staring back at him. Help me save this girl, Nykax shouted. But the man, with his eyes open wide, merely shook his head and stayed frozen in his place, turning the cap round and round with his grubby fingers. His clothes and face looked so dirty that Nykax wasn't sure if the man had struggled out of a burning wreck or if he had always looked like this. Instead of wasting time on the man, he angrily bit his lip and concentrated his cue. He held out his hands, his palms facing the flames, and screamed out as suddenly from his fingertips came a white, freezing mist directed at the flames. It spread quickly and evenly around the house and calmed the fire while also freezing the beams in place for a short moment. Nykax ran inside, grabbed the girl with the cat, and ran back out just in time to see the house collapse on itself. Even just using that small concentration of cue was exhausting. He knew he could not go around putting out every house like this. Otherwise, he'd pass out before long. Thank you, the girl exclaimed as he put her down. 
She then noticed the old man across the road. Father, she shouted, and ran towards him with open hands. The old man embraced his daughter and stared at Nyakax, tears streaming down his face. I cannot blame him for being weak, Nyakax thought, but I can blame him for discarding strength. The man would have to deal with his own guilt, as there was too much to do to help the others. Rose was running along the outskirts of the village where people had retreated for safety. There was a lot of crying and hysteria, and she wondered whether she could actually help these people. But with no one else nearby except for a few people running around with water, or trying to look after their injured family, she had to do what she could. The first woman she came to had been burnt on one side of her body. Rose began to carefully strip away the clothing from the wound, and concentrated the cue into her hands. It was a bright white light that pulsed with every beat of Rose's heart, and with it a warm glow that seemed to calm the woman by just being near it. She placed her hands over the wounds for seconds at a time, and as she lifted them, the skin looked slightly scarred, as if weeks of recovery had gone by rather than seconds. A crowd gathered around her, asking for her help, and she grew scared. People asking if she could help their wife, husband, son, daughter, brother, sister, mother, father. Her tiny frame was becoming overshadowed by screaming adults, and soon she burst into tears. Not knowing what to do, they grabbed at her hands as if trying to suck out the power, and caused Rose much pain as fingernails dug into her soft skin. She started trying to kick them off, and opened her wet eyes to see blurs of dark shadows with flames rising to the sky behind them. And, she thought for a second, that she was being dragged to hell. She started to panic and kicked out wildly, hitting an old portly man in the face, breaking his nose. More panic and chaos ensued until she saw Finn's face looking back at her through the figures around her. A stifled cry of help must have hit his ears, for it was not long that there was suddenly a bright light and she felt herself getting pulled across the ground from under her arms. As she was dropped, a voice rang out and she realised it was Finn. What are you doing? She's trying to help you and look at how you treat her. Rose suddenly saw that there was a shining light coming from Finn's hand. She recognised he had used a flash technique to stun the villagers and dragged her away from danger. Simple, yet effective. Now form a line. If you're on the brink of death, get to the front, otherwise wait your turn. If you truly believe the person in front of you is not as worse off than you, then I will judge it for myself. We are from the Norheath Valhalla and are here to help. Most could not believe this was the same Finn who had up to now always kept quiet and seemed to shy away from any danger. Here he was, telling people, some perhaps five to six times his age, what to do. But she knew he had sensed something had to be done, and she was just ashamed that she panicked and did not use her cue to defend herself. Why had she not just used a simple flash technique? Something on her face must have conveyed these thoughts because Finn was now crouched on one knee looking at her sympathetically. Hey, Rose, are you okay? Give yourself a second, I'm going to fetch some water. Finn ran off, leaving the villagers looking still rather stunned, but now a lot calmer. One by one they began queuing, and she gathered herself up, took a deep breath, and began healing the many wounded. Emma had found that most of the damage had already been done. The villagers were either dead or gone, building after building was silent but for the cracks and pops of fire and the occasional collapse. Then suddenly he heard a scream. Ah! Emma ran towards it and saw a young boy who looked roughly the same age as himself, trapped beneath a beam. 
He had dark brown hair, and his face was almost indistinguishable through the muck and dirt the smoke had caused. Help me. I think my leg is broken. I can't move, the boy shouted as he saw Hemero coming. Hemero looked at the situation. The beam was huge. It was no wonder he was trapped. It was too heavy for him to lift without using a good portion of his cue. Above the young boy, half the ceiling had collapsed, revealing a collection of antique armour on the floor above, some of which was already tumbling onto the ground around them. Hemero had mere moments left before it would collapse on them both. Please hurry, the boy exclaimed, screaming in pain. Hemero had to think back to class about where to concentrate his cue, but the urgency of the situation had turned his mind blank. He clutched hold of the beam and tried to move it himself, but after putting all his strength into it, the beam had still not moved. The boy had begun to cry and was shouting, Help! Please help! Again and again. He'd gone hysterical. Hemero looked around for someone else to help. Hello? Anyone? Nikax! Hemero started to get upset and then, as if something inside him had snapped, his anxiety suddenly caused him to just stare off into the distance. His mind became truly blank and he wondered if he had gone mad. Was this really happening? Shaking his head, he began to recover his wits and took another look at the situation. It just then dawned on him, right, how much time he had wasted in the Valhalla, and how he wished he could have studied more on how to control his strength with his cue. Suddenly, he heard the floorboards buckle above him. Hemero jumped out of the way as the clattering sounds of red-hot metal armor and broken wood mixed with the primal, inhuman screams of pain. The young boy was now completely covered in burning metal and wood. All that could be seen was half his face, his eyes full of terror, and a hand grabbing at nothing in the faint hope of reaching him. Hemero had not made a single sound. He froze. He felt like he was watching the proceedings through a veil, as if he wasn't really there. He sat on the floor and watched helplessly as the boy burnt alive in front of him. The eyes frenzied the screaming becoming more and more muffled, the hand turning limp. Hemero observed the last throes of death as the young boy finally stopped still. Surely this wasn't really happening. Neither of them actually there. Are you okay, young man? asked a male voice from above him. We have to move you away from this burning building or you could get hurt. The man pulled Hemero up and dusted him down before taking a good look around. Did you not notice some of the dead rising back up? Those who could, anyway. They hardly noticed us. It seems as if they've been called somewhere, and it worries me. Hello? Are you even listening? Hemro did not answer. He did not even look up. He just stared at the burning rubble in front of him. But he wasn't really looking anywhere. It just felt natural to stare out that way. The man gave a sigh, but all Hemro could see of the stranger was a dark shadow against the flames that engulfed the boy mere moments ago. I'm Lurilius, the voice said. I'm here to help. Hemero wasn't listening. He had the chance to become a hero, to show everyone that he was worth something. But he had failed. He vowed that he would never let himself be responsible for someone's death like that, that he would protect and save those that needed saving no matter what the cost. If you wish to support the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash legacyofgaia. 
If you wish to skip ahead, you can actually buy the book on Amazon right now. You can follow the link in the description. You can follow us on Twitter at Legacy of Gaia or email us at legacyofgaia at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate or review us on your podcast platform of choice. Thank you for listening and see you next time.